This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It's all a matter of principle. That's right. Principles are like seeds. And if you don't plant them and use them and live by them, well, they tend to blow away amid the winds and storms of everyday living. And so principles are for living. They're for everyday living. So let me ask you a question before we launch into the deep here on principles and on principle. What would you trade your principles for? Would you trade a principle for something that would accomplish something that you really want to accomplish, even though it violated your principles? We call that pragmatism the sacrificing of principles for what we want, what we think is practical, what we think will accomplish something in the short term, pragmatism. And so we have a war in America and have always had a war in America between pragmatism and principles. We've been known as a very pragmatic people, practical. But we've also been known as a principled people, and hence, within our very natures themselves, the very DNA of America and Americanism is a war, a battle between principle and pragmatism. We want to talk about that here today on Viewpoint. I'm so glad that you've joined us. It's conversation as always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, and it's possible there might be a little conviction coming from today's program. Because in one sense, we all want to be known as principled people. But the reality is, we hold this treasure, that is, the treasure of the gospel, the treasure of salvation, in very earthen vessels, don't we? That means you, and that means me. And God knows our hearts. We like to say, well, God knows my heart. Well, that's exactly the problem. God does know our hearts. And there is nothing that is hidden from him, even the motivations of our hearts. So when we make decisions, we make decisions either according to what we want, according to the flesh, or according to what we ought, according to the Spirit. Perhaps that gives a nice little distinction between pragmatism and principle. Now, as many of you know, I was a practicing attorney for many, many years, 20 years, and uh, have had both the pain and the pleasure of working with people that is, thousands of people, 80% of my clientele were professing Christians. And I've seen those clients, sometimes in their joys, but usually in their sorrows. But if there has been any common thread in their lives, it's been this, that a family or a life without a vision is usually a family or a life without principles. And without principles, guess where that leads? confusion, and pain, and heartache, and destruction. And that's the point. That point is true for professing Christians and non-Christians alike. And it's interesting, America's wise guy, Benjamin Franklin, made this statement. He said, if principle is good for anything, it's worth living up to. Well, maybe that's a good way for us to launch into the deep here today on Viewpoint. 
a matter of principle. Trading principles for pragmatism. So what are principles? Maybe that's where we should start. What are principles? You see, in today's life, we have so undermined the very concept of principle that perhaps we don't even know what they are anymore. So what are they? Well, if I would recognize a principle, or how would I recognize one if I saw it? And what are they for? How do principles develop? What are the consequences of straying from principle? And how can I become an example of a principle in action? So that's what we're going to explore here in the balance of the program today. Answers to these questions because my answer and your answer to these questions will guide us to restoring the American vision and, yes, even our souls. So if we have any hope for our country, there must be a restoration of principled living. You cannot truly live principled living unless you're truly a follower of Jesus Christ because you don't understand the ultimate principles. Now, you can have a form of principled living, and there are many people who are not professing Christians who have a what people would call a very moral life. So they do have basic principles, but those principles are usually lacking in a variety of ways. Only a true follower of Jesus Christ can truly live a principled life from God's viewpoint. See, viewpoint determines destiny, and so from God's viewpoint, that's what we're concerned about, not man's viewpoint. So here's the thing. Principles are like signposts. Can you imagine driving down any considerable distance down a highway without having a signpost to give you some assurance that you're headed in the right direction? I I remember taking a trip with my family a number of years ago in a different area of the country. And as we drove along, we began to realize that there were far fewer signs and indicators along the freeways in that locale than we were accustomed to in our area of the country in California. In fact, there was very little warning of imminent exits, and traffic was moving along at such a vigorous clip and seemed to be totally unforgiving, we became increasingly frustrated as we searched for proper off-ramps to reach our intended destinations. And the result? The stress level in our vehicle was mounting and emotions began to be frayed. We didn't see the signposts. In fact, the signposts weren't there. That was the unfortunate thing. And principles are like life's signposts. What do they do? They point the way, they give direction, they promote order, they prevent confusion, and they provide a sense of purpose and direction. Where the signposts of principle are absent or ignored, that's when we get great frustration. Do we have a lot of frustration in our country today? Absolutely. Do you have a lot of frustration in your life today? Do you have a lot of frustration in your family today? Do you have a lot of frustration in your business today? Do you have a lot of frustration in your congregation today? Your neighborhood You see, frustration is building. Anxiety is building. In fact, just the other day, I saw a 
party driving down the uh, the street, and the license plate just said anxiety. Wow, what a condition to announce anxiety. The person was saying, "I'm anxious." But why? Why are we so anxious? One of the reasons. One of the reasons is because we're not living a principled life. So how could we know a principle when we see one? You see, we have to kind of go down the list here and uh, think out loud with one another. How could we know a principle when I see one? We're going to attempt to, to look at that, answer that question when we get back from this break. I hope you'll stay tuned, friends. Are you a principled person? Are you sure? What would your kids say? Or your neighbor? Or your spouse? We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Here's a principle coupled with an exhortation. It comes from the book of Proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Now, what's the principle? Trust and in all your ways, acknowledge him. The exhortation is that if you do that, he will direct your path. So there's a sign. Many people ignore it. But the thing that God is after more than anything else in your life and in mine today is trust. But what if we don't take him at his word? His word actually sets forth the principles for our lives. Now, you can call it the law. You can call it rules. But we'll call them principles today. They're the things that set the standard and the signposts for our living. So how could we know a principle when we see one? Well, a principle, as we said, is like a road sign. Normally, it's going to head you in a particular direction or give a specific life instruction, like the one, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. Do you acknowledge him in all your ways or just some of them? Do you trust him with your whole heart or just in words? Principles can be broad or they can be very specific. They can give you a general direction or a precise direction. They can also be good or bad, actually. Every once in a while, I've come across a road sign that gives incorrect or imprecise direction. Have you noticed that in your own life? You might have experienced the frustration of such a bad road sign in your travels. Sometimes it's a bad road sign. Sometimes it's the absence of the appropriate road sign. But they can lead to time-wasting detours, how frustrating that is, and even prevent us from reaching our destination. So 
This matter of principles is very practical, but when we try to substitute the practical for the principle, that's when we get in trouble. So how can we identify a good principle? Well, here are some tests, some thoughts. A good principle normally can be determined by how closely it matches these standards. First, is it true in almost every situation? Has it stood the test of time? Is it something that I would want my neighbor to practice? Is it consistent, say, with the plan of our founding fathers? Is it consistent more than anything else in all respects with the plan of the creator of all men as found in the Bible? Now, failure of any question principle to meet these tests, especially that last one, should cause me and you to discard it for my life and that of our nation. That being the case, for instance, if we say that providing unfettered abortion is good for our nation, that may come as an expressed principle as it is from Joe Biden or from Nancy Pelosi or from Planned Parenthood or from even a host of pastors who are pandering to their congregations and trying to curry their favor. But is it a principle that is a good principle? Is it true in almost every situation that we should abort our children? Has it stood the test of time, all time? Is it something I would want my neighbor to practice? Is it something I would have wanted my parrot to practice, since it would have meant I wouldn't be here? Is it something that would be consistent, say, with our founding fathers? And is it consistent in all respects with the plan of the Creator of all men as found in the Bible? Answer, it doesn't meet any one of those standards. Therefore, it is a false and bad principle. It doesn't meet the tests, and so I should discard it for my life, no matter how practical it may seem at the moment in a particular set of circumstances. And that's where we get in trouble, you see. We want to argue from the practical or what seems right at the moment. And that's why the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is the way of death. It seems right at the moment. That's called pragmatism. What seems practical or what seems like it would work now? Or what seems best now under these circumstances? By, but ignoring the principles that should guide us, the signposts that should guide us. So, How have we strayed from principle? Have you strayed from principle in any way? Now, don't answer too quickly, because as we get on with the program here today, we're going to see, you see, when you start applying these things, all of a sudden we find how close we come to actually being pragmatists rather than people of principle. And that's what's happened to our country. Our country was never perfect. There was always pragmatism. But if you go back and you read 
the thoughts of the founders, for instance, of our country. You go back to the words of the Puritans, John Winthrop in his model of Christian charity, a godly lawyer, or uh, William Bradford there in the uh, Pilgrim colony. You go back to them and you read what they say, and it has a very different tone to it, a very different resonance to it. You can tell that it's not based upon pragmatism or what works. It's based upon what is true and what is right in virtually every situation. So how have we strayed from principle? Unfortunately, many of us, as I said, have have mistaken pragmatism for principle. And we've discarded these time-honored tests for principle that actually our nation was built on and that sustained us in history. And instead, in place, we've substituted tests of pragmatism. So what might those tests be? Well, is it expedient? Does it work for me? Does it work for me today? Which way is the wind blowing in my community, my school, my work, my church, my culture? What do the polls have to say? But you see, in following the wind, guess what's happened? We've reaped the whirlwind as a nation. We've ignored the principles of the ages in favor of the expedience of the hour. Haven't we? So America's in crisis. No question about it. In fact, the whole world is in crisis. Why? Because the whole world has abandoned principle. We're like a ship out on the sea without a sail and without an anchor. And we're being blown around with every wind of doctrine, with every wind of thought, every wind of uh, cultural predilection, every uh, wind of hope, desire, frustration, feelings. And you know you can't trust your feelings, right? Feelings are fickle. Feelings are never a dependable form of establishing principles. In fact, those who walk in pragmatism usually are addicted to their feelings. They are ruled by their feelings rather than by principles, especially biblical principles. So, before we get into this further, I want to make available to you A very hope-filled book. This book is so hope-filled that 38 national Christian leaders endorsed it. Even though there were many other books being written about our country, 38 Christian leaders endorsed this book, Renewing the Soul of America. Now, why did they endorse it? Because, as they said in their endorsements, This book was different than all the others. This book really provided the principles to enable us to live victoriously and to restore hope for our country. Many people ask me, well, Chuck, do you think there's any hope for America? Well, my answer is yes and no. No, if we don't change. Yes, if we restore principle, particularly God's principles, 
and repent of our failure to obey them. Then we have hope. Without that, we don't have hope. You can't, as they say, you can't continue on doing the same thing you've been doing and expect change. They call that insanity. So I want to provide a book to you that will help us deal with the insanity of our moment and to help us, give us hope. It contains well over 500 quotations from our nation's history and uh, even more recently, I think it will provide great hope for you and direction and information as well. Renewing the Soul of America. It's an $18 book. Yours for $15 on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Or you can give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Bonk 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. If you're writing a check at $5 for postage and handling, we'll get renewing the soul of America in your hands. And while we're at it here, uh, breaking up our uh, focus, for those of you who live in Massachusetts and Connecticut or New York uh, who are listening to this program in the Northeast, we My wife and I are coming to your region on October 23rd for a wonderful Saturday morning breakfast from 8 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. It's going to be at the Crestview Country Club in Agawam, Massachusetts. By the way, Agawam has the first zip code in America. You know what it is? 01001. 01001. Agawam, Massachusetts. So that's where we're going to go. The birthplace right there, at least for the birthplace of the zip codes. And uh, we're going to begin right there. And we're going to be sharing uh, some of the developments, the reasonable developments in our world. We're going to provide all of our books and materials. Uh, These breakfasts are just an amazing time. Nobody leaves those breakfasts feeling left out. Nobody comes to those breakfasts feeling it was not well worth the time. It's a great time. The cost of the breakfast is $28 for a full breakfast buffet. Uh, and uh, But you're going to need to make reservations. And those reservations must be made before October 13th. So, here's how you do it. You go to our website, saveus.org. And go to the web store, saveus.org, and then go to the web store. When you go to the web store, go to the upper top right, and you'll find Viewpoint Breakfast. And that's where you sign in. Make your reservation. Or, if that doesn't work for you, give us a call. 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA. USA. So, I hope that you will avail yourself of that. Our theme was going to be, Behold, He Comes. A history and prophecy are converging before our eyes. How do we, as culture-enmeshed Christians, prepare the way for His coming? It's, it's just going to be a great time. Looking forward to it. Okay, let us get back now to the consequences of pragmatism. Not principle, but pragmatism. 
Are you ready for this? We know America's in crisis. We know that. We have sown the seeds of expediency, pragmatism, individually, as our families and businesses and churches and communities and as a nation. I have watched over the past, well, during my entire lifetime, having grown up in the church, my father a pastor, having having been involved in uh, eight or ten other denominations from coast to coast, I have watched how the church, various denominations and non-denomination independent churches and pastors and parachurch leaders have persistently made decisions based upon pragmatism. Even the whole church growth movement and the seeker-sensitive movement were all based on pragmatism, not principle. And it's gotten to us in a lot of trouble. But what are the consequences of pragmatism when we get back? There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. First off, a fact sheet on the state of the marital union, a fact sheet on the state of ministry, marriage, and morals. SaveUS.org. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible really teach about this? Find all of this at SaveUS.org. Also, a letter to pastors, the Hosea Project, SaveUS.org, and many more resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, SaveUS.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived. Save America Ministries website at SaveUS.org. Hang on to your seatbelt, my friends. We're going to get in our chariot, and uh, we're going to have uh, a, a speedy ride through the consequences of pragmatism, how we have abandoned principle and the consequences of it. First, Thomas Jefferson warned us. He said, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. Eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. Now, it's not just vigilance pursuing freedom. It's vigilance concerning the foundations of freedom and liberty. And the foundation of freedom and liberty is principle. Godly principle. But we become slack. So, we kind of went to sleep on our watch over the past 75 years. We didn't fall into decay overnight. The blocks of our foundation as a country have been eroded one at a time. We've watched it happen. It happened when we were departed from measuring ourselves and our decisions, both individually and as a nation and by families, by the yardstick of principles. And how did it happen? When did it happen? Now, try to hang in there, friends. It happened when we decided to turn over the care of the needy to the government rather than accept the responsibility ourselves as God would have it. It happened when we decided to report only a portion of our actual income on our last tax return. It happened when we decided to ask for a cash payment rather than a check so we wouldn't have to report it. 
It happened when we decided to claim damage to our car that pre-existed an automobile accident so we would get insurance money to repair it. Anybody feeling the pinch yet? It happened when we decided to cheat on our spouse. Yes, even by watching pornography. It happened when we decided to call in sick to our employer when we wanted to go shopping or take a vacation. It happened when we made personal calls on the boss's time and tab. Mm, mm, mm. It happened when we loaded up our credit cards with purchases for which we couldn't afford to pay. It happened when we printed more money to pay the national debt instead of paying the national debt with what we had. In other words, the whole Congress is operating as pragmatists and destroying our principles. It it happened when we eliminated prayer and the Bible from our public education. It happened when we stopped Sabbath observance in the land, even in our homes and churches. So, what are some of the consequences that have followed these kinds of choices? Well, they're cultural, they're social, and they've devastated our country as we drifted from a principle to pragmatism over the past 75 years. We have a national debt of nearly $24 trillion now. We have a divorce rate that is more than tripled. We have a crime rate that has escalated to the point that law enforcement is no longer capable of keeping up, and we're even trying to get rid of law enforcement. It happened when we had an illegitimacy rate that soared to almost 50%. It happened when we had AIDS that threatened to kill millions of people and consume billions of dollars of money and resources. And what was that driven by? The freewheeling practice of homosexuality. Sodomy. We have, it happened when we have, we have homelessness now as a national plague. A consequence is we have truth that's become extinct. We have greater wealth, but more poverty of spirit. We have more counselors, yet rampant destruction and depression. We have lost our sense of community. We have drugs and alcohol to deaden the reality of our choices. And we still refuse to face the fact that we've abandoned the foundation of our principles. It's not getting better. Education hasn't helped. Because education has not actually been focusing on principles, but actually helping us to focus even the more so on pragmatism. We've lost direction. We don't have signposts. We're frustrated. We're anxious. And chaos is taking over, isn't it? Now, principles and morality are linked. Morality describes the good and beneficial behavior of individuals in society in response to true principles. So immorality describes behavior that's outside of true principles. Immorality results from the loss of principle in the fabric of the life of an individual, of a culture, of a nation, and the world. For instance... In Switzerland, just this weekend, they voted overwhelmingly to support same-sex marriage. In other words, they followed the trend 
of the world, the nations, the sodomizing of the world, in order to feel like they were in. That's called pragmatism, friends. Which way is the wind blowing? And that was Switzerland. I thought they were supposed to retain, be be politically neutral. Not anymore. So if a society and its members don't respect, don't adhere to, don't enforce guiding principles, everybody gradually drifts to doing what is right in his or her own eyes. What happens? Well, chaos then is the inevitable result, isn't it? Isn't that what we see? So it shouldn't come as any surprise that in the closing days of the American century, in the year 2000, all three of America's major news magazines emblazoned the word chaos on their front covers. Think about that. As we turned into the new millennium 21 years ago, all of America's news mag- major news magazines, Time, Newsweek, U.S. News and World Report, all of them were in print at that time, and they all emblazoned the word chaos on their front covers. Wow. At least they admitted the consequences that have been taking place, but they refused to admit the problem. And so the consequences continue. There was a famous writer, many of you know him as C.S. Lewis, and he wrote about the role of moral principles in a society. He said this, In reality, moral rules are directions for running the human machine. Every moral rule is there to prevent a breakdown or a strain or a friction in running that machine. And that's why these rules at first seem to be constantly interfering with our natural inclinations. In other words, with our feelings. We can't avoid moral principles or moral laws. We can only ignore them. And if we ignore them, we reap the natural and practical consequences of our ignorance or rebellion in very tangible ways in our finances, our bodies, our families, society, and nation. That's where we are. So, in the same way, the mere fact that I do not know of or recognize or choose to respect the law of gravity, for instance, doesn't mean I can jump from a plane at 30,000 feet and express to cruise alongside it by stretching out my arms like they were wings. But we really think. We have reason that we can do such, such things. There will be no consequences. So America is paying the tuition for an education in the consequences of defying principle and moral law. So let me ask you a question. Does that define you and your family as well? Don't answer too quickly. About 10 years ago, actually 16 years ago now, the Lord moved upon my heart with a sense of desperation, concern, for the black community in America. And so I began to put together a fact sheet called A Portrait of the Black Family. It's one of the most important, perhaps the most important fact sheet we have ever put together 
and it's among about eight or ten others on our website, saveus.org. If you want to find it, you can go there and look under fact sheets, and you'll find a portrait of the black family. I gathered together a dozen black pastors who I knew had established relationships with in the birth city of America, Richmond, Virginia. And I brought them to my home, and I said, here's what we're going to do. We've got a real problem out there. You know it. We know it. I know it. And let's see if we can't dedicate ourselves to doing something about it. So I said, I'm going to provide a meal for you all. You come to our home, and we'll share an evening together every week for the next five weeks. Okay. So they committed. And I said, we're not going to, it's not going to be a rush thing. We're going to spend two, three, four, five hours, whatever it takes to really, really deal with the problems that we're facing. So the first meeting came and I went through this portrait of the black family and a series of documents that I had all from black sources all from black leaders, uh, pastors, sociologists, uh, commentators, and so on. Not one from a white person. And I shared them with the men who were gathered. About an hour into that time, after we had had our meal together, one of the pastors silently slipped out of his seat and fell to the floor on his knees. He spent about 15 minutes on his knees as we went on looking at the various aspects uh, that we were facing, the consequences of the abandonment of uh, biblical and moral principles within the black community that were having devastating consequences. Eventually, he got up, sat on his chair, and he said, Gentlemen, I need to make a statement. And here's what he said. My family looks just like this portrait. In other words, he was saying, my extended family has abandoned the moral and spiritual principles and yet claiming to live godly. Would you like to know what another one of those pastors said immediately following? I'll share it with you when we get back. A matter of principle. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome back to Viewpoint. Today we're talking about principles, restoring principles, 
It's a matter of principle and the contrast between principle and pragmatism and what the consequences are in a country, in our families, in our churches, and so on, when we abandon principles in favor of pragmatism. In other words, doing what we think works, it makes people feel good, whatever. Going, doing whatever the wind seems to be blowing, the, the cultural winds and so on. Pragmatism. So I was sharing with you all what happened in that particular event as these uh, 12 black pastors joined me in our home for dinner. And uh, we were there to talk about the seriousness of what was happening in the black community that was devastating, and they knew it. And these were people that I had established relationship with. So the one pastor had gotten on his knees quietly, and when he got up, he said, my family looks just like this portrait that you have presented, the portrait of the black family. It was devastating. There was a pregnant silence. And then another pastor, and I'll never forget this, he was in the back of the room, across the room, and he leaned back in his chair, put his hands behind his head in a very somber and sobering way, and said, men, if we're not willing to preach this to our own families, we have no right to preach it to our congregations. You know what he was saying? My family looks just like this too. You know what happened? Gradually, every single one of those men over the next four weeks left that meeting, leaving us with only three at the end. They were not willing to deal with the principles that would restore their people, notwithstanding the fact that they were evangelical pastors. They were not willing to do it. It was just too, the cost was too high, they thought. No, we're just going to curry favor with the people and carry on business as usual. As the divorce rate in the black community exceeded all other communities in the country, as the unwed pregnancy rate had soared to 70-plus percent, as the abortion rate had exceeded 50%, in fact, was upwards of 70-some percent, didn't matter. They weren't willing to deal with it. Now, that's not a problem just in the black community. It just is exceedingly focused and, and uh, gone beyond all measure in the black community. But it's everywhere. We've been a kind of a people that are not a moral people. Because we are not a principled people. And it's devastating. Do we have the values and principles that are necessary to sustain a nation? We can wring our hands, we can cry, we can bellyache about our country, and uh, we can look at the, the president, and we can look at the Congress, and we can look at all these things. But the reality is that the same problems exist in God's house. We become an unprincipled people. From pulpit to pew. 
Roy Disney made a statement one time. He said, it's not hard to make decisions when you know what your values are. In other words, what you know what your principles are. Unfortunately, in this day and age, you'll hear politicians say, our values, our values, our values. They never define them. Have you noticed that? They never define them. Because they want you to think that your values are the same as their values, and their values are the same as yours. But they're not. For the most part, they're more unprincipled than you are. And yet they're calling them values. And back in the 1970s, in the American education, they had what they called values clarification. The whole educational system changed. Instead of focusing on principles to live by, those were all changed in favor of values that had to be clarified. In other words, it was a euphemism for getting rid of all biblical and parental values. Principles. Yet George Washington, in his farewell address, as our first president, reminded us the reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principle. John Adams, our second president, brought the same kind of message as our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate for the government of any other. He said that we don't even have a government armed with power that's capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. In other words, unbridled by biblical principles, and uh, and that's what he was saying. The oldest dictionary in America, it was written by the true father of American education, Noah Webster. And uh, here's what he said. The moral principles and precepts contained in the scriptures ought to form the basis of all our civil constitutions and laws. All the miseries and evils which men suffer from vice and crime and ambition, injustice, oppression, slavery, and war proceed from their despising or neglecting the precepts, that is, principles, contained in the Bible. So, Here's the big question as we come toward the end of the program today. How can you and I become an example of principled living? If we're not, or if we're failing in some way, and most of us have an ongoing battle in some way between pragmatism and principle, and when we are ruled by our feelings, we allow pragmatism to win. What seems practical, what feels good at the moment, and we ignore the principle. I know you've heard the phrase, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. People want to stand for things that are based upon their feelings, but they're not willing to stand anymore. Not very many willing to stand for things that are based upon true principles, biblical principles, that is, because they know they're going to get a backlash. But again, Uh, Thomas Jefferson had something to say about this. He said, in matters of style, swim with the current. But in matters of principle, stand like a rock. I like that. So here's the question. Are you a man of principle? Are you a woman of principle? 
Are your so-called principles rooted in your vacillating feelings of today, tomorrow, yesterday, or are they the ageless, timeless, unchangeable principles that God has given us, your creator? And every one of us has to make a choice. And we're making those choices every day. In fact, not just every day, sometimes many times a day. Sometimes with little things, sometimes with big things. And if we fail the choice of principle on the little things, we're very likely to fail it on the big things. And our choices are not without consequences. America is awaiting your courageous choice and mine. Our children, our grandkids are waiting, and here are some steps that you can take. Listen carefully. Make your decisions and govern your behavior based upon the timeless and proven principles given by God in the Bible. And if you don't know what they are, search them out. That's why you need to be in the Word every single day. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God says, I change not. His word does not change with the ever vacillating winds of culture and feelings. No. Otherwise, you would never be able to trust him. I think a lot of people's problem is they can't trust God because they can't trust themselves because they know they vacillate with all of their feelings. They watch the spiritual leaders around them vacillating and going this way and that way. They're unpredictable. They're not following biblical uh, principles. They're not uh, rooted in truth. They're going back and forth, back and forth, and they're untrustworthy. And then they think, well, God must be like that there if I can't trust him either. And what are our kids thinking? What are our kids? What are your kids thinking when they look at your life? Are they seeing a principled person who doesn't, who changes not when it comes to matters of of life and principle, who can be depended upon with choices, who does not phony up, doesn't ask uh, a child to go to the phone and tell uh, somebody on the phone that you're not there because you didn't want to answer? Hmm. All right, next. Make decisions for behavior that leads to virtue. The Bible says that we should add to our faith virtue, but virtue has fallen on very hard times. So much so that in 1992, when Forbes magazine came out with this 50, no, it's 70th anniversary edition, it devoted the entire half an inch thick magazine to asking the question, whatever happened to virtue in America? And yet virtue used to be at the very foundation of our national mottos. It's true. Make decisions for your behavior that leads to virtue. Next, make decisions for behavior that leads to truth and integrity. Not that undermines truth, but leads to truth and integrity. Make decisions for behavior that you would value highly if done by your neighbor. 
Make decisions for behavior that you would like to have your children and grandchildren model after or emulate. Make decisions for your behavior that would lay the foundation for America's future. And here's one. Vote your principles, not your pocketbook or groupthink. Biblical principles, not political, not party principles, but biblical principles. Not just one that goes along with your feelings, but what party seems to more than any other encompass the moral and spiritual standards of the Word of God. None's going to be perfect. No candidate's going to be perfect. And we have an election coming up, not that far ahead, across the country. Not a presidential election, but Congress, Senate, governors, and so on. Going to be very important. Now, as we wrap up here, I want to uh, to share with you a a word picture that was painted by a fellow by the name of Adam Woslever, and I think it would help us as a nation and as men and women in this increasingly desperate hour, as our ship of state is listing precariously as a result of moral decay and is buffeted by the stormy winds of unprincipled living and its consequences. Here's what he said. Let us cling to our principles as the mariner clings to his last plank when night and tempest close about him. May it be so. Thanks for joining us here today on Viewpoint. Would you trade your principles for pragmatism? Have you been doing that? Maybe it's time to repent. Maybe it's time to come clean before God and become men and women of principle once again. Thanks for joining us. Get a copy of this uh, book, Renewing the Soul of America. It'll change your life. It'll encourage your heart. Give you positive direction for the time ahead. An $18 book, yours for $15 on our website, saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA and become a partner, friends. We're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. Rebuilding the foundations of faith and freedom as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.